glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Brad. If you're brand new, I'm the pastor. And Laura and I, if we didn't meet you before service, we're always out by the doors afterwards. We would love to say hi. Man, uh, looking at uh, some of these guys today, man, your wife obviously dressed you today. Um, Danny, I don't know how you got out of the house dressed like that, but uh, that is... Oh, he has a sweater. You have a sweater. You just, you just been worshiping. I just been worshiping, and the fear's all over me. I just shed it. It's okay. That's all right. But no, you don't put it on. You're good. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was just disappointed because you set the bar and the standard for men's casual dress in this church. So, uh, man, thanks for being here. We just, if you're new, we just want this to be a time of encouragement for you. I, I know there's so many times that you're not encouraged in life, but we want you to laugh a little bit today. Uh, we're going to have some fun and just pray the words of the scriptures will encourage you. Uh, one of the best ways to connect with us, by the way, is those next step cards. So if you have a way that something you want us to pray about, fill out one of those cards. We would love to pray with you any way that we can. But let's go to the scriptures. Isaiah is where we're going to be. Isaiah chapter 9. And if you don't have a Bible, download version. It's a great app. Um, I read out of the New Living Translation. And while you're looking that up, Isaiah uh, chapter 9, the... Uh, this is not the usual Christmas story where we're used to going, but if you're new to the scriptures, uh, in the Old Testament, they gave all these prophecies about the coming Messiah uh, that we know to be Jesus. And over and over, they're all over the place. And, and so Isaiah was one of those prophets. And so this is about 700 years. Imagine that. Imagine 700 years in the future. So this is 700 years before Jesus comes. And Isaiah gives this prophecy, and it's a way, by the way, prophecy is just saying, hey, here's what to look for. Here's what the Messiah is going to be like. So let's start in verse 1. It says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which is, by the way, one of my favorite Christmas candies. Mmm, I love me some Naphtali. Good stuff. Uh, they will be, <laughs> they'll be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now that's important. Why would they put a Google's, Google Maps thing in here? Because that's where Jesus spent his entire ministry and most of his life was at the sea of anybody, anybody? Galilee. Yeah. It says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And now he starts talking about the nation of Israel, because he wrote this when the for the nation of Israel, but it was also a prophecy for the future, because we know that we have been grafted into that promise as children of God. So this was a prophecy for the nation of Israel and for us. He said this, its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder, like your kids on Christmas morning tearing up the gifts, okay? Get a good mental image here in your head. For you will break the yoke of their slavery. You're gonna lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You're gonna break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned and they're gonna be fuel for the fire. And then this next one is a really famous verse. You may have gotten it on a Christmas card from somebody. 
It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. We know that person to be Jesus. The government's going to rest on his shoulders. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to talk for just a few minutes about the light that leads to life. The light that leads to life. Let me pray for you and then we're going to dive in. Father, thank you for this holy season. What a great day today. What a, what a time of celebration. Thank you, God, that we're gathering with churches all over the city, all over this world, and we are lifting up the name of Jesus and celebrating the birth of our Savior. We pray that you're delighted in all the praise that you hear all over this globe, that that, that just is something beautiful in your ears. We love you, Father. Now speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, you can be seated. Well, when you're young, um, these next 48 hours can be so grueling. Do you remember being a kid and getting this close to Christmas and you're just like, oh, I can almost feel it and sense it. I'm going to get that gift. And we had some great toys back in the day, did we not? Um, if you, maybe you're a child of the 60s. Uh, if you are, you don't, you don't have to identify yourself. I understand. You don't want to do that. But if you were a child of the 60s, this might have been the toy you wanted right here. Rock'em, sock'em robots. I actually remember playing with, with one of those. You would take your thumbs and you would push real hard on the handles, and then if you hit the other robot, his head would pop up. It was great. It was just pre-practice for the iPhone is what it was. See? 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 Pre-practice. You could tell your mom that. So this is the 60s, and then if you're, if you're, if you're a girl in the 60s, you may not have played with that. There's a guy toy. Here's the ladies' toys from the 60s. Barbie came out in the 60s. That picture right there is a little disturbing to me, because uh, here's why. Ken has better legs than Barbie. Anybody else picking up on that? Odd, odd. Okay, maybe, maybe you were a, a child of the 70s. This might have been the toy that you wanted in the 70s. Huh? Stretch Armstrong. Pull him, stretch him, until he finally looked like an old man. Anybody remember that? You'd stretch him so much, or you want to see what was inside that goopy stuff that was inside that they said, start, it causes cancer. That's what my mom would tell me. Don't open that. It causes cancer. Your, your hands will just burn off. So I didn't do it because I was scared. Also in the 70s, it was the, um, the very first video game came out. It was by Atari. Do anybody remember this? Now, I know some of you are young, and you're like, anytime, we'd love to see the game. <laughs> That's it. That's all there was. And we were like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Anybody remember your dad going, turn the TV off. Don't, don't leave it on. It'll burn into the screen. I remember. That's the voice of my father. Uh, so that was the game in the, in, in the 70s. And then in the 80s, there was this one right here. Anybody remember this, Rubik's Cube? Anybody, anybody, anybody could solve the Rubik's Cube when you were a kid? Anybody could do that? You know, we've, I polled both services, two people, only two people in the entire, we did not like you in grade school because 
20 seconds. There, you were, you were like the ladies' man, weren't you? Like, check me out, ladies as well. I could never solve that thing. But in, but in the 80s, um, Atari gave way to Nintendo. And anybody play this game right here? Okay, all right. Duck Hunt. Remember that? You just take the gun and you get so frustrated, you just put it right up next to the screen. Or the tube is really a tube. You remember that? That's how long ago that was. You put it up next to the tube just to fire it off. And then, so then, uh, so that's the 80s. And then if you're a child of the 90s, Nintendo gave way to this new video game sensation called a PlayStation. And you might have been playing this game right here. Anybody? Some of you? All right. You played Crash, you know? Boing, boing. Yeah. Uh, but if you weren't into video games in the 90s, maybe this was the toy that you wanted. Bop it. Anybody remember? You remember? Pull it. Twist it. <laughs> what a great toy. But then in the 2000s, I think whether you were a child or whether you were an adult, you loved this video game right here. Guitar Hero. Anybody, I love that game. I could finally shred on the guitar. I love that game. So many great toys um, growing up. A couple weeks ago, I was cleaning out one of our closets, and I came across one of my favorite childhood toys. Uh, and I don't know how many of you, you'll date yourself, but how many of you remember this right here? Anybody? You remember? Yeah. For those of you who don't, this is called a Viewmaster, Okay. This was the beta version of the iPhone. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> uh, but I, I, what you do, if, you're, if you don't know what this is, let me explain it to you. So you would get these little slides like this, and they had all these different scenes on them. Like this one is the 1969 moon landing. And so what you would do is you would take it, and you would hold it up to the light, and you would look, oh, there's the rocket taking off. And then you would click it. You'd be like, oh, there they are landing. There's Neil Armstrong stepping off. There's the American flag in 3D. Wow, this is really in 3D. I'm not kidding. Wish you could see it. I'm not, it's just amazing. It's like, this is way better than an iPhone. Way better. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not. But I, I had so many different slides that I could put in there, and I could go anywhere in the world. Like, my parents got me a slide on Disneyland. They didn't take me to Disneyland. <laughs> They're like, here, just look at it. It's amazing. Isn't that cool? She glad? This one's called uh, Wild Animals of the World. Um, this one here is, oh, this one's hilarious. There's like nine slides in here of Las Vegas. <laughs> what parent gives their kids a Viewmaster with Las Vegas? What are they trying to teach me? Well, what's great is I found this one right behind it. I'm not kidding. Stories of the Bible. Right behind the Vegas slide. But, but the, key with, um, the key with the Viewmaster is uh, you had to hold it up to the light to see it because if you didn't, it would be like fuzzy and grainy and you couldn't quite make out the images. I remember my buddies, we would play a game. We'd turn the lights out and, and you'd look at the slide, try to guess what it was and turn the light on and then you would see what it was. I, I think often life feels like you're looking through a Viewmaster without a whole lot of light. That life so many times can just feel fuzzy at best. 
you don't have any direction. I don't know where I'm headed. There's not a lot of clarity. You're, 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 just, you're just trying to find your way. And that's what we all want in life. Like in life, we want clarity. We want direction. We want to know that is the, is the, are the choices I'm making and the things I'm doing, am I headed in the right direction? Jesus spoke to this in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 8 and, and verse 12. He said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have what? Say that with me. The light that leads to life. In other words, if you need answers, if you need direction, if you need clarity, look up. Look up because Jesus is the light that leads to life. That's a great place to say amen. Put your hands together. Give some praise during this Christmas season. Jesus is the light that leads to life. It's a, listen, it's like this view master. As we look to him, our life begins to come into focus. Our life begins to find direction. Our life begins to find purpose. Our life begins to find meaning. So what is it that causes us to, to hesitate and not place our trust and our hope in Jesus? I think it's because the, the very thing that can save us scares us. If, if I let the light of Christ shine on my life, he will see all of my life. He'll see all my failures. He'll see all my faults. He'll see all of my poor choices and all of my decisions. And so many, many of us, we just, we just feel unworthy. We don't feel worthy of his love. We feel like that, that I just, I've got to be kind of second rate. I, 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 I don't quite measure up. I, I'm, I'm not quite good enough, and because of that, you stand just outside of the light. You don't want to get too far from the light, but you don't want that light to, to shine on you. I, I want us to find some hope here today in, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Look what he says right off the bat. The time of darkness and despair, what? Will not go on forever. Man, when you're in a season of darkness and despair, man, it feels like it will go on forever. A couple of weeks ago, Laura and I built a fire in the fireplace for the very first time. It was that uh, day that it snowed, and, and we're like, yeah, let's do this. And so we made a fire, and it's beautiful, and went to bed, got up the next morning, and I smelled some uh, smoke coming into the house, and I was like, oh, man, the flue is open. I'll shut the flue on the fireplace so that it doesn't blow it back into the house. So I shut the flue, and just we went on about our day. And when we came home, our house was just a smoke-infested pit. I mean, it was like a bad tobacco outlet. I mean, it was nasty. It just the smell, smell of smoke was over everything, in everything, and on everything. And what I didn't realize was that when I shut the flue, underneath the ashes, there was a little ember that was, was still burning. And so we opened up windows, and we tried to air the house out, and, 
And we went to bed, got up the next morning, and our house still smelled like smoke. <laughs> Came home, we did it again, opened windows and doors, went to bed, got up again, house still smelled like smoke. This went on for days, like day after day. Finally, one morning, I got up like 5 a.m., and, and I, I just I put on a coat and a blanket. I opened up every door, every window in the house for like an hour to try to air the house out. It took almost a week to get the smell of that smoke out of our house. I think when it comes to darkness and despair, our, our failures and our shortcomings, they, they can be like a, like a smoke that lingers feels like it's never going to go away. And the enemy's really, really good at reminding you of your failures and your shortcomings and your poor choices. Is he not? You ever just, just randomly be somewhere and all of a sudden you smell failure? The enemy just comes to you and, yeah, you're, you're always like that. You, 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 you're never going to change. Accept it, you're a failure. Honestly, you're pathetic. And the smell of that smoke lingers and lingers, and we feel like it's never, ever going to end. But Isaiah says that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. I am here to let you know that Jesus is the light that leads to life. You don't have to stay in darkness. You can walk into the light. The, the season of darkness and despair that you feel will not go on forever. I, I like what Isaiah says in verse 2. He says, the people who walk in darkness, they will what? They will what? See a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, what? A light will shine. Laura and I used to have recently moved from downstairs in our house to, to upstairs. And when you walk upstairs in the hallway, it has this, these boards that have the creaking sound, you know? It's that one board, like this, which is no big deal in the middle of the day. But it's crazy in the middle of the night. You know, I'm a grown man, and I'm like, I walk in down the hallway. You know, I get up, I get up in the middle of the night. You know, because I mean, not like some of you who are much younger who are up in the middle of the night for a whole nother reason. I'm up for a different reason. Like when I pull an all-nighter, it means something completely different. Uh, but so I'm up. Some of you are tracking with me. So I'm I'm up in the in the middle of the night, and I remember walking. I hit one of those boards. And right when it did that, I was like, oh, I'm going to die. Is that not the worst feeling? You just, and why do we freeze? We just freeze. Maybe they won't see me. You're just freaking out. You're just paralyzed. You're like, I'm going to end up on the news. I know it. It's just paralyzing. Darkness can be paralyzing. Man, it can, just, it can just trap you where you feel like I, there, there, there's no way out. But Isaiah says the people who walk in darkness are going to see a great light. And those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. I want to tell you, don't get stuck in your darkness. Come on, encourage somebody around you right now. Tell two people right now, don't get stuck in your darkness. Don't get stuck 
in your darkness. Jesus came to walk you out of your darkness. You don't have to stay trapped in that. You don't have to be paralyzed with that fear. You don't have to listen to the enemy anymore. Jesus came so that you might have life. When I was in elementary school, I remember being about eight years old, they would have these traveling evangelists that would come through town. And uh, these guys were crazy, man. Usually short, stubby guys sweating all over themselves and pointing their finger and talking uh, like this, uh, and the Lord, uh, and uh, that finger, I just remember that finger leaning like that long, you know. He's pointing down, he's like, uh, some of y'all are fornicating. Uh, and I was, I was like eight years old. I remember being eight. I'm like sitting here like this, and I'm like, I build forts? Am I fornicating? I'm fornicating. <laughs> I know, sorry. And I remember just, I would, every time an evangelist would come to town, I would rush to the altar because I was so fearful of God's judgment and condemnation. I was so fear that he was going to strike me dead. He was angry with me and he didn't like me. He was displeased with me. And that traveling evangelist was going to make sure that I knew of the fires of the pit of hell. It's funny now, but when I was eight, scared me to death. I want to be that kid. I want to be that. How jacked up is that? I mean, just think of how jacked up that is. Listen, the light of Christ is not a light of judgment. It is not a light that came to point out your flaws, to point out your failures, to condemn you, to shame you, to belittle you, and to judge you. I get so frustrated sometimes when I, and I don't get on Facebook or social media a lot, but sometimes I'll get on there or hear something, somebody will tell me about somebody who went off on the internet on somebody and posted something stupid. I'm like, man, there's just some stupid Christians out there just posting mean stuff and saying, oh, God's a God of judgment. He's going to get you and this is going to happen and just talking all this condemnation. And what's happening now is in our, in our world today, people have this jacked up version of who God is. He's not a God of judgment on that. No, our God who came in the form of Jesus did not come to judge. Now, some of y'all are like, no, wait a second. I thought God was the judge. I'm, I'm, I'm so confused. I've been in church a long time. It's not making sense to me. Jesus came to shine the light of God's mercy. He came so that you could walk out of that darkness. I mean, when you, when you think about this idea of who God is, and, and I don't know what your perception of him is and how you think of him, but this is the, the, when you think about God, what I want you to know is this, that God is a God of judgment, but God held back his judgment. God held back his wrath, and he sent Jesus to show his love and his mercy through the cross. That's who our God is. That's who we celebrate at Christmas. That's what the season is all about, so that those who are living in darkness, a light might shine on them. The truth is, is the, the, turning on the light can be painful. You ever turned on a light in the middle of the night? You're like, ah, ah turn that off. Turning on the light can be painful because it, it, it exposes all of our, 
all of our failures and our shortcomings, they are in full view. But it's still a light of mercy. I, I was at lunch um, recently with a, a good friend of mine, and uh, he's a really good man of God and loves, loves the Lord. And, and we were just having a really great conversation, he was just, and, but he was really torn up because he said, man, I'm just not where I want to be in my relationship with Jesus. It scares me. I don't like where I'm at. He said, and so he began to tell me just that God had been speaking to him about some decisions that I know I need to do this, but I'm not doing it. I know I need to do this. And I could tell he was feeling guilt and shame and condemnation and judgment from God. And, he, and, and it, was, it was just messing him up. And I remember his eyes just getting misty. And he said, man, I, 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 a, friend, uh, a friend of mine, I was in a conversation and and, and I watched this friend of mine, and he showed compassion, deep compassion for somebody, and I didn't even see it. Like, they reached out and helped that person, and I didn't even see it. I, I want to see it. And, and he was living under this shame and this guilt. And I said, well, time out. Time out. That, that is not, that is not judgment and condemnation. That's the light of mercy. God is saying to you, Jesus is shining his light into your life right now, and what he's telling you is, this is the kind of man I want you to be. This is what I desire for you. This is the good I have for you in your life, and, and this is what I want for you. And I, I remember when we, um, we got up and we walked out, and I felt like God felt impressed. God didn't speak to me audibly, but I felt impressed by God that I was supposed to tell him that God loved him which was really awkward, by the way, just because we're a couple of guys and we're standing outside a restaurant and I was like, hey, I love you. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I love you too. Uh, but I, I looked, I turned to him and I said, hey, I don't know if this will sound awkward. I don't mean to be awkward. I said, but I just want you to know, man, I think God just wants you to know that he really loves you. Like, he really loves you. And I said, man, you're a good dad. Man, you're a, you're a good friend. You're a good man of God. He doesn't want you under all this guilt and this condemnation and this, this shame. No, what, he, he's shining his light of mercy on you. Jesus is the light that leads to life. None of us want to be exposed to our poor choices and decisions, right? It's why bars are dim, You're just a drink away from a really poor choice, right? None of us want to be exposed to those things. And none of us want to feel guilt or shame. And what the enemy wants you to do is the enemy wants you to stay in the dark. Hey, just, just let your eyes adjust. It'll be It'll be okay. How dumb does that sound? You ever try to let your eyes adjust in the dark? I can make it. I got this. And then you step on a Lego at 3 a.m. You're like, ah! Thank you, Jesus! Probably not the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah, there's no getting your eyes adjusted to the dark. I, I like what King Solomon said. King Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, made some really poor choices and this is what he said in Proverbs 4.19. The way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no 
idea what they're stumbling over. Like darkness, in other words, darkness distorts our point of view and eventually you're going to stumble and you're going to hurt yourself. And God forbid, maybe hurt somebody you love deeply and dearly. But the light of Christ The light of Christ is not a light of judgment. It is a light of mercy shining upon our souls, showing us a way to freedom. This is our God. Listen to what Isaiah says in verse 4 about Jesus. He says this, for you, being Jesus, you're going to break the yoke of their slavery. You're going to lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You're going to break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. I don't know about you, but that don't sound like judgment coming down on me. That sounds like mercy coming down on me. I want to be on that side of mercy. Like Jesus didn't come to enslave you. He came to lift the heavy burden from your shoulders. Whoop, whoop. Come on, somebody. Whatever it is you're under. Some of y'all, you, I mean, you're just the oppression that is on you right now. And you're like, I don't know how to get free from this. Driving me crazy. He came not to oppress you, but he came to free you. He didn't come to hit you with the oppressor's rod. Man, that's, what, that's a misconception about God. He's just waiting to strike you. No, go back to this passage. Find the truth about our God. He doesn't want to do that. He came to break the oppressor's rod in your life. Man, that's good news. That is really good news. Five of you believe that's good news, but I'm telling you, that is good news at Christmas. Like, it ain't just about a a baby in a manger and singing sweet, cute songs. It's about praise be to my God. He did not forget about me, but he came for me, and he said, I see the oppression you're under, and I am not going to oppress you. I see God coming, and I'm like eight years old, and I'm like, he's got a rod. He's got a rod. He's going to beat me. He's going to beat me. He's going to beat me. And, and, And God's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I came to protect you. I came to guard over you. And I came to break the oppressor's rod that's in your life. I came to break the lies that you're believing about the enemy, that you're a failure, that that you're never going to get over what you're under. Like, you're always like that. You're never going to change. Man, Christmas jingle bells. Yeah, they're ringing for everybody else, but they ain't going to ring for you. Because if people knew you, knew who you really are, should be so ashamed. And he just whispers. And Jesus came because he hates the lies of the enemy. And he came to break the lies of the enemy and break the oppressor's rod in your life. Man, when, it's, when you feel lost, when you feel confused, when you feel guilt, when you feel shame, when, you, when failure revisits you, I just want to encourage you, lift your eyes to Jesus. Because that's where the life is. That is where you're going to find the hope that you need. Isaiah said it this way in in chapter 9. He said, for unto us a a child is born. That child is, or excuse me, that child was and is the light that leads to life. And then he goes on to 
I think, talk about this light of mercy in this way. He calls, he calls the, the Messiah, he calls Jesus uh, several names. Number one, he calls him Wonderful Counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. Do you need, do you need help? you need advice? Man, you can go to him in prayer, and he listens. Ladies, unlike your husband, he listens. Huh? Amen? I mean, he listens. Like, he listens to, he hears every prayer. Not only does he hear your prayer, but you're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to find my way. He says, listen, go this way. And he lights up the darkness so you can find a way out. It says he is the mighty God. In other words, he is supreme over the darkness. The darkness bows to him. Darkness always bows to light. Darkness always bows to light. John, in his gospel, he said this about the light of Christ. He said, the darkness can never extinguish the light of Christ. He's everlasting father. I love the first part of that. Everlasting. Always will be there. Never leave you. Some of you, you've had a father that left you. He got up. He walked out. Maybe you never knew your father. Maybe your father was in your home, but he walked out, and you just never knew your father, and you have a misperception of the father. But this father will never leave you, will never forsake you. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made in your life and poor choices and failures and mistakes. The love of the Father goes on forever. It is everlasting. He loves you. That is incredible news. Man, everyone else might turn their back on me, but the Father loves me like this. Yes, he came to shine his light of love. He's the prince of peace. No matter what darkness I find myself in, no matter how confusing life might be, he can take all of the pieces of my life and bring them together in perfect peace. This is our God. A light that leads to life. This week, uh, some of you may have heard the story on the news of the 10-year-old autistic girl that got off the bus after school and never made it home. And some of you are aware that that's Cindy Phillips' uh, granddaughter. Cindy attends our church. I don't know if Cindy's in the service. I didn't see her, but um, Cindy attends here, and that was her granddaughter. And shortly after she was reported missing, my phone just blew up, and Laura's phone blew up, and we were getting phone calls, talking to different people, and just finding out what was happening. And I remember, um, you know what's funny is when your phone goes off for an Amber Alert, you're just like, oh, my, oh, just another Amber Alert. But when you know the person, it becomes so real. And I remember uh, just this week sitting at, um, I remember sitting at the table and just, just crying out for this little girl. It, it was dark. And she was alone. And I was like, man, God. Would you, just asking God for his mercy upon, upon her. And 
sun went down. And I, I'm so, are we not so thankful for our first responders? Are we not so thankful for our, the people that work in law enforcement and fire and, and paramedics? And man, those of you that are doing that, thank you so much for what you do. And I loved how our community came together and, 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 and law enforcement across county lines and, and just came together. And what I love about first responders is they, they're like, we don't go home and go to bed. We're going to stay out as long as it takes, and we're going to stay out all night if we have to to try to find this Girl, six hours went by and we heard nothing. Man, it was just tearing me up. And then, and then we got the news. They found her. What was amazing was that it was a police helicopter that spotted her. It, it was a light of mercy that shined upon that little girl. There was no way she was going to find her way home. There was no hope for her unless somebody went out and tried to find her. They weren't going to find her in the dark. But the light of mercy shined upon her, and in that moment, she was rescued. In that moment, they found her. In that moment, she didn't necessarily have to walk out of the darkness. They came to her. Listen, that is Jesus. That is what this season is all about. You and I lost in darkness. And the light of mercy shined on me. Like, if that doesn't break you, you need to reconnect with your father. Because that just breaks me. Like, man, I was lost. And it was so dark. And I, I didn't know how to make life happen. I didn't know what direction to go. Man, I didn't have any way out of my failures and my disappointments. But the, praise be to God. I, man, thank you for sending Jesus. Because I couldn't get to you, but you came to me. You shined that light of mercy on me and you, you made a way for me. That's, that's the light of mercy. See, here's what the light of mercy is. The light of mercy is, is hope. For some of you, you need hope this Christmas. There's something that you're, you're waiting on and you're desiring and God that wants to shine that light of mercy of hope into your life. Some of you, you need healing and as I talk about shame and brokenness and failure and disappointment, you, you get it. That's where you're at, and you're, you're in the darkness, and you know that, and you've been avoiding the light. But today, man, I want to tell you that healing is coming. The light of mercy is shining on you to walk you out of the darkness. Some of you need peace. God wants to shine the light of peace. You're, you're all upset. You're all bent out of shape. Things are chaos and chaotic, and it has, has nothing to do with shopping. It has nothing to do with the crazy family that you're getting ready to go see or that are sitting right next to you right now. You just need peace because your world is in turmoil. That's the light of mercy. Some of you, you need purpose. You, you, don't, you don't know where you're headed. I don't, even, I don't know where I'm going in life. And the light of mercy comes in and shows you the way in which to walk. 